Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Begin with me in verse 8. I want to read a very simple statement that he opens up this verse with. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, and then he goes on and says what that means. He says, if these things be in you. I want to start with the beginning, just begin, just talk about what he means by these things. Well, a lot of times, like a lot of writers, he's referring to something he's already been talking about. He says, these things, what are the things? Well, you can start seeing them all the way back in verse 5, where he says, and besides this, and what is this? He's talking about faith and all these other things, but he says, besides this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And then he has a whole list of things. He says, I need to, in addition to the, the faith that you've gotten from the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to add to that virtue. You need to reflect Jesus in your life. You need to add knowledge. You need to know more about Jesus. You need to add self-control. You need to honor the Lord in everything you do. You need to have patience, depend on God in all kinds of circumstances. You need to have godliness, really fear the Lord in, your, in every aspect of your life. You need to have brotherly kindness. You need to have that affection that Christ has for other people. And then ultimately, that's going to build to us, us having love, sharing Jesus with other people that we, have, that we know around us. And he says in verse 8, he says, if these things, all that whole list of nine things, if these things have been added, if, this, if you have these things, if they're in you, and he says, and if they abound, if they're growing in their increase. And if y'all remember what I talked about last week, I think the reason these things are added one at a time, at a time, at a time, is because these are what you might call spiritual disciplines. And discipline, if you know anything about discipline, that's not built overnight. I mean, you think about some of the, the, the men who, and women who go through uh, the, the military's training. Yes, that is done over a period of time, but uh, sorry, a short period of time, but, but even that, it doesn't take a weekend. It's months of weeks of training, months of training, and really, the, the way they want to really train you is over years. That's really what they want to be able to do. They're building something there. And that's exactly what our Christian walk is supposed to be, where there's an abounding, a, a growing, an increasing, a little bit at a time, every day, step at a time, that's what should be happening. And he says, if that's going on, if these things be in you and abound, then something's going to happen. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if you have these things, if that's, you're, you're growing in your walk with the Lord, if this is going on, then you're not going to be barren. Now, you, you, you understand what barren means. In an essence, though, that, that word that he's using there, he's essentially saying, I don't want you to be useless. You're put here for a reason. And I will go in a little bit further and say that I think every person in this room, God has a special purpose for each of us. And it's different. Not everybody's going to do the same thing. We're not all going to do the same thing. And none, I would also go as further to say that I don't think any of it's more important than the other. 
God has a thing for each of us to do. And whatever that is, he's saying, if you'll add to your faith, and he goes on and on and on, those nine things, if that's going on, if there's that abounding in your life, then you're not going to be useless. You're going to not be barren. You're going to be able to do what you're supposed to be doing. He goes on to say, and not just be barren, but not unfruitful. You're not going to be unproductive. <laughs> it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of um, when we were in Walnut Cove, in Stokes County, where we used to live years ago, I'd planted a peach tree in the backyard. So I wanted a peach tree. And I wanted what I imagined that I would happen because I, I am, you know, I'm a fake farmer. I have no idea what I'm doing, just so you know. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I like the idea of being able to walk out in my backyard and get a peach off the tree. That was what I had in my head. Well, I didn't know what I was doing, so much so that this thing eventually would have blossoms every spring. It's beautiful. And it would get all these little things that look like a nut on there. And that's about as far as it would go. Wouldn't make anything worth eating. Wouldn't anything worth looking at, really. It was kind of a disappointment. It was frustrating. Was it a peach tree? Technically. Was it fruitful? Not at all. It was not productive. That's what he's saying. I don't want, that's what, he, what, what Peter's saying, that you don't want that in your Christian walk to be, yeah, you're a Christian, you've got every mark of the Christian, but you don't have the production of a Christian. He says, that's not what I want for you. I want something different. He says, you've got to have these things added to you. He says, if those things are not in you, look at what he says there. He says, you're neither going to be, I'm sorry, if they are in you, you're going to be, un, you're going to be uh, productive. You're not going to be barren. You're not going to be fruitful. But he says in verse 9, if you lack these things, he that lacketh these things. So on the one hand, if you've got all of these attributes, you're growing in your walk with the Lord, you're adding to your faith, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're doing that on a daily basis, there's going to be production in your life. The Lord's going to be doing some things in your life. You're going to see that. There will be fruit. There will be results. But if you're not doing that, he says, you're, you're, you're not doing these things. You're going to be blind. You're going to be blind. You're not going to be able to see. You're not going to be able to see reality as it is. One other way I might apply this is you're just not going to see God work. That doesn't mean God's not working. Can I, can I can go ahead and tell you that God is always working? I think sometimes we get this wrong idea because we don't see it. God's not doing it. That's not true. That's not true. God is always working. I, I believe, strongly believe, that a lot of times we don't see it working because we are so, got our heads so far into the world, we are not uh, growing in our faith. We're not growing in our walk with Christ. God's still working. God's doing amazing things, but we're sitting over there saying, hmm, when's God going to do something? We're blind to it. We're blind to it. We can't see it. It's why the reason that, I think this is the reason that the devil wants to make it difficult for you to grow in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There'll be few, there are a few things in this world harder that you'll find to do than to spend time sitting in front, sitting with your Bible in your lap trying to understand something. There are a few more difficult things that you're going to do than to spend a minute in prayer with the Lord. There will be few things that are more difficult than that thing, that, that, that temptation that the devil knows really works on your soul, those buttons he knows how to push. There's few things in this world that are more difficult than you telling that temptation no. 
The reason for that is, as the devil, he does not want you to see what God is doing. If our gospel be hid, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in the, whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Essentially what he's saying is that the devil don't want anybody to see God, doesn't want them to understand what God's doing for them, and you know he doesn't want that for the unbelieving world. And he certainly does not want you as a Christian to do that either. He wants you to sit back and say, well, God must be not doing anything. That's what he would like for you to be doing. But instead, if you will go back and you will add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to your knowledge temperance and on and on, if you will do that, go back to verses 5, 6, and 7, if you will have that in your life, then you will bear fruit. But if you don't, you're going to be blinded by the devil. Now, I want to be very clear because I'm going to get to this point. I want to to escalate this in just a moment. I think the passage escalates this. He's not saying with this thought that you're not saved. Don't take that. That's not this point here. He is not saying you're not saved. In fact, you can't add to your faith if you don't have faith. You see, so you've got to understand you're starting with some starting point of having faith in Jesus Christ. But he is saying you're not going to enjoy the fruit of your salvation if you're not adding to your faith and so on and so forth. Again, goes back to that peach tree. It's a peach tree. No doubt, you can do all the testing you want. It's a peach tree. But it's not being productive as a peach tree. And there are many Christians that are doing that as well. They're clearly a Christian. Every evidence of a Christian, they do have faith in Jesus. But they're not seeing the fruit. And they're not enjoying the fruit, much less anyone around them. So if you will add these things to your faith, you will enjoy and you will see fruit in your life. But now, if those things are not in you, he goes on to say in verse 9, he says, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see far off. And he says, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. If you do not add to your faith these virtues, these, these Christian spiritual disciplines, if you're not willing to do the work to do that, he says, you'll forget what Jesus has done for you. And, and, and if you think about what I just said, you'll, you'll not admit this out loud. Uh, not, not, not many of us will. But I'll go ahead and I'll take the hit for all of us because I have to stand up here and say something to you so you get you to think about this. But this is the reality for me. I sometimes forget that God has forgiven me of so much. And what, what, ends up, what that means is I get to the place where, yes, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I put my faith in Jesus. But I get to this place where I'm practically as if, well, of course I am. That's what I'm supposed to do. Isn't anybody that's a good person like that? And I have to remind, be reminded, and I forget this. This is what I, get for, I forget. But the, the Scripture is saying you need to be reminded of this, that you are a Christian because Jesus died for you, and the reason he had to die for you is because you were such a terrible sinner that left to your own devices, if you were left alone, you deserve hell. Yeah, you might put on a good face and you might take a shower and shave and whatever else you want to do to look good on the outside. You might do those things. But the Lord knows your heart and he had to send Jesus Christ to die so that you would be redeemed. 
And again, I want to tell you, I think the devil has a vested interest in you forgetting about that. He wants you to just cruise along and think, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm doing okay. I'm saved. I got saved back whenever I did get saved. I'm doing okay. Everything's fine. He doesn't want you to remember that you are a sinner and you only have the position you have because of Jesus' forgiveness. So you will forget. If you don't add to your faith virtue and virtue, you keep adding to your faith. You're not doing that. You are going to forget what Jesus has done for you. you. You see, here's the danger of forgetting what Jesus has done for you. You start thinking you're invincible. You start thinking, I'm good. Anything I do... Do you, ever, you start believing your own thoughts. You ever do this? Where you convince yourself that you're so okay that no matter what you think, it's perfectly fine because I thought it. Of course it's true. But we need to be reminded of what the forgiveness that Christ has done, the pain of that. If you've ever done something that's either embarrassing or, 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 or hurtful, painful to you, you do it, it takes you a while to forget that, right? You know why? Because you don't want to do it again. You don't want to go back through that pain again. Have you ever, have you ever done that? I, I've, oh my goodness, there are, there are certain things that, that I'll just say, I'm not even going to go down that path because I know the minute I start going down that path, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to frustrate myself, I'm going to embarrass myself, so I'm not even going to do it. And that's, that's what we need to be doing with sin. We need to remind ourselves of the sin that we've, that we've gone through, the pain of that, what it costs Jesus. And when we're reminded of that, he says here, and I'm going to skip down just a moment, and he says there in verse 10, at the end of that verse 10, he's making this argument for you, but he says this little statement. He says, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Meaning that if we will go through the diligence of these virtues will be reminded of the sin and the pain of our sin. And it's actually going to make it, not that we're going to be perfect because we know better than that. First John tells us we're lying to ourselves if we say we're perfect. But we're going to be more apt to pay attention. We're going to be less apt to just keep walking with our head in the clouds. We're going to be looking ahead and saying, I know my faults and my weaknesses, and I know if I go down this path. So he says, you're not going to fall. You're going to be less likely to fall. Because when we become callous to sin, that's when we're susceptible to its deception. When we think everything's okay, that's when we become callous to its deception. And again, it's not to say that when you forget about the forgiveness that you've had, that you're not saved and that you're going to hell for that, because I'm not saved by my memory. I'm saved by Jesus Christ. But it is saying, if I can say it this way, if you forget what Christ has done for you and you don't allow or don't, don't, be, don't allow yourself to be reminded of that so you'll avoid that, you may not be going to hell, but you will end up looking, smelling, and even feeling like you've been there. Because you will be dragged through the sin and the degradation that sin has to offer because you are not willing to add to your faith these things. And it goes back to verses 5 through 7. So if we will add to our faith, we'll remember the past forgiveness. We'll see that forgiveness that we've had in the past. But now, if you'll go with me back to 
Um, back to verse, uh, verse, excuse me, I've lost my place here. In verse 9, excuse me, he says there that if he, he that lacketh these things is blind, and then I skipped over where he says, and he cannot see afar off. So not only are we blind that we can't see the reality of the world around us, but we're not able to see afar off. Um, I, I, am, um, I, I am what they call, I think it's nearsighted. If you ever look at my glasses, uh, this used to be on the bottom of a Coke bottle, these glasses, that, these lenses that I, that I have on my eyes. <laughs> I can't see anything. I mean, if I took these things off, I could barely read this book in front of me. I really have very, very bad eyesight. But the thought of it is that you're supposed to be able to, if you have nearsight like I am, you can see stuff up close, maybe blurry, but you can kind of see it. But Lord help me if I was trying to make out something in the parking lot from here, I couldn't see it. That's what nearsightedness. And, and, and that's often the more common, if you see people wearing glasses, more common to have nearsightedness. As you age, you get the other version of it where you can't read stuff. But, but most of us that are wearing glasses, at least we have been for a while, you have nearsightedness. And what that essentially means is that stuff that's closer, you can kind of focus in on it. Stuff that's further away, it's a little harder to see. Well, if you do not add to your faith virtue and temperance and so on and so forth if you're not doing this you're not going to be able to see afar off you've heard that song the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the eyes of his or the glory of the face of his glory and grace i think it is you heard that song but what happens naturally is the other way around that the things of christ grow strangely dim and the things of this world are in sharp focus. It reminds me of Peter when he was on the waves. You remember this? He's in the boat. Jesus says, come out. There's a big storm going on. While he looks at Jesus, while he's got his eyes on Christ, he's able to actually be part of a miracle. He's standing on the water. It's amazing because he's got his eyes on Christ. But what happens? He, the focus starts shifting onto the the winds and the waves. And I mean, good gracious, I'm standing on the water. I mean, I, I can only imagine that's how I would be feeling. And what happens then? His eyes are no longer on Christ, and he starts to sink. Of course, Christ saves him. But the thing is, we have to see that as believers, we are not, uh, Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, the things we see are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is, this is the stuff that we look at. We're not looking, the things that we can see around us, this stuff is going to fade away. You understand that? But, but I don't know what y'all look at every day, but I see the stuff that's going to fade away. That's what I see. I'm going to get into a car that when I die, before I die, it's probably going to die. It's going to be gone. Whenever the Lord comes back, that thing is never going to, it ain't going to make much past that, and the Lord knows what's going to happen. I'm going to go to a house that I enjoy, and it's comfortable for my family, but right now, but, but at some point in the future, whenever the Lord takes us home, it's going to just, it's going to, it's going to burn up. I'm wearing clothes that I enjoy wearing, and I thank the Lord for them, but these things, I mean, the way I'm gaining weight, I mean, good gracious, I'm going to have to keep getting more clothes. I'm going to have to replace them, but even if I, even if I was perfectly trimmed, this stuff is going to, it's going to fade away. And it, it, even this church, this sanctuary, the, 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 the jobs that we work, and 
even the people that, that we interact with, while they have eternal souls, these people that we see, I mean, they're going to heaven or hell. You see, the point is that there's, there's an eternity. It's not just what we see. It's what's going to happen, and we need to understand that. But if you are in, you are, you, these things are in you that you've added to your faith, and so on and so forth, if you have done that, then what are you going to do? Yes, you live in this world. I'm not saying you walk like you don't need food or clothes. We, we need all these things. But instead, what we do is we're able to see afar off. We're able to know that, yeah, it might be painful right now, but we're going to hold on. Yes, we know that things aren't perfect right now, but we're not looking to this world for our hope. We're looking up because our redemption draws nigh. And we are not following after the trends and the, and the, and the, and the things that are, people are saying are important to us. We're not following those things. We're following one person, and his name is Jesus, because we are seeing not the things of this world, but we're seeing afar off. Because we have heaven to look forward to. And in fact, in verse 11, I want, you, I want to draw your attention down to verse 11. And he talks about in that verse, he says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying there, look, look at what he says there. He says, you're going to have this minister, he's going to, this, you're going to minister unto you abundantly, this entrance. We're going to have a royal entrance into heaven. We're going to have a royal, and you don't just get to heaven. You're going to heaven as one of the king's children. You're a son or a daughter of, Christ, of God. You get to go to heaven because you're part of the family. And he's going to be bringing you in, and he's going to say, welcome home. He's going to be saying, well done. He's going to be bringing you in as one of the family. You're entering into his kingdom, and you're going to be there, as he says in verse 11, he says there, it's an everlasting kingdom. You're going to be there for eternity. That's what we have to look forward to. Yes, I've got the things of this world, but we don't look at the things of this world for our hope. We're looking afar off. But that only happens when we are able to add to our faith these things, verses 5 through 7. Now, if we need to, or we rather we want to see fruit, we want to remember the forgiveness that we've been given, we want to look forward to that glory that's going to come, that's, that's, that's the way we want to live the Christian life, if we want that. Then verse 10 is in the middle of this passage, and I've skipped over it on purpose because there's the command. This is the thing we need to do if we in, in truly want to have that kind of Christian life. He says in verse 10, Wherefore rather, brethren, give diligence. I, I do want to call your attention, if you'll hold your place there, just flip over to verse 5, and he says, And besides this, give all diligence. Do you see there's the same idea? That, that word diligence, don't, don't, don't let it trip you up, but it's just put some work in. Try. Do this. Work at this. So he says in verse 10, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Give diligence. Try. Be eager about it. Whenever, um, whenever I get some ice cream at the house, 
I get a little eager about opening that freezer, get that out there. You don't have to ask me twice. In fact, you have to tell me no about three or four times. That's what I got to do. But I, but I, I'm, I, I give diligence to it is my point. And there, y'all might have something, you have, you have your own sins, we'll, we'll talk about those later, uh, but, but you got your own thing that you're attracted to, are you not? There's, a, something, there's some things you give some diligence to. You say, that's something that's interesting to me. I want to put my hand to that. I'm interested in that. You're eager to try it out. That's what we're talking about here. That's what he says, give diligence. And he says to give diligence to, to make your calling and election sure. Uh, the calling and election, that, that phrase, those two words, you could sum that up to say your salvation. Are you saved? That's essentially what he means. He's referring to the call of the Spirit, that, 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 that call of the Spirit to say, come to Jesus, to follow after Jesus. Uh, the conviction that you have when you were saved, do you all remember having that conviction? That, that's the calling of the Holy Spirit. That's what he says there, to know that was actually God calling you, not just you feeling like, oh, I'm caught, so I need to turn my life around for a second. No, no, I want to I have that calling of the Spirit. And election is just simply the fact that you're found in Jesus Christ. Are you actually in Jesus? Because he's the one through all blessings, not you, not me, but Jesus is the one where our calling and election comes from. So he says, I want you to be eager about the Spirit's call. Be eager that you've been found in Christ. And he says, I want you to make it sure. So he says, I want you to be eager to make sure that you've been saved. Now, what does he mean by make it sure? Can I put it to you this way? He says, he's, I want you to test it out. I want you to prove it. I want you to pull on that rope a little bit. Make sure it's snagged up there right. I want you to, you made, you made that, you put that chair together and you want to make sure it actually can hold somebody up. Sit in it. Make sure it's going to hold you up. It, it's when you're trying to buy a new car, I hope you're not just picking it up and like, just, just deliver it. I'll drive it sometime. No, you're going to sit behind the wheel, make sure you like the way it feels. You're going you're gonna to make sure it actually starts up. If it's a used one, you want to do that, you know. Make sure the thing starts up and sounds all right and looks all right. You, you want to you, you, you test it out. This is where I, wanna, I, want, I wanna, want you to pay attention to what I'm saying to you right now. Every one of you that are seated, seated here, I don't know all of your heart's motives, but you're sitting in a church on a Wednesday night, and I think to a person, y'all are here on a regular basis. So I'm appealing to you very specifically. Do not wait until you die to test out whether or not you are saved. Now, I am not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. But let me tell you, this is way too important for you to say, well, maybe, I think so. I tried something one time. I said a thing one time. I did a thing one time. Somebody said I was. No, no, no. You need to make your calling and election sure. Don't say, well, well Matthew, what, what, well, I, here's what I did. Do you think I'm saved? Don't ask my opinion on it. Don't look to me to bless your salvation. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm glad to, I'm, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm glad to consult with you, to advise you, to pray with you, to try to show you from the scriptures. I'm glad to do that. I'm not trying to turn that away. But I, you do not want me to say, don't go to the, don't go to, to the Lord and say, well, the preacher said I was saved. <laughs> and he's going to say, you mean Matthew Tilly? He needed Jesus just like you need Jesus. 
that he doesn't have any, any authority to save anybody. So don't, don't look to me to bless your salvation. Don't look to a mama or a daddy. Don't look to a teacher or anybody else. You need to make your calling and election sure. Well, you say, well, that sounds pretty important. Well, yeah, it is. Well, what do I need to do? I want to do that. I need to do that. Now, forgive me. I don't mean to bait and switch on you, but I'm just giving you what the Bible's given me. How in the world are you going to eagerly prove that you are a Christian, that you are saved, that you didn't just take somebody's word for it, but you're pulling on that rope and saying, yeah, I really got the stuff. How do you prove that? You find it in verse 5. Give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. You do this little bit by little bit. You do this by daily walking with the Lord. You do this by saying, Lord, I need more virtue. How am I going to do it? Lord, i got to look in the Word to know, get more knowledge. You do this by every day, little bit by little bit, actually trying to do what, as the Ephesians says, the good works, the good works, he says here, that God hath ordained that we should walk in good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You're actually going to do the things that God saved you to do. You're going to do the things that the Holy Spirit was put in you to do. Do you understand? You were not saved. You were not saved just so that you can go to heaven. That's called a benefit. That's called a blessing. That's not the purpose. The purpose of your salvation is, as I read there in Ephesians 2.10, you have been ordained to good works. God saved you to do some stuff. I can tell you he didn't save you so you could earn more money. He didn't save you so you could go on a better vacation. He didn't save you so you could have a bigger house. He didn't save you so you could live a long life. He saved you so that you could walk in good works that he has ordained for you. He knows that that's not going to happen apart from his Holy Spirit working in you. He knows that can't happen by you just getting up one morning and saying, I'm going to be a better person. How many of us have tried that? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. What has to happen is God's going to save us, change us, transform us, so that, remember I told you at the beginning, God's got a purpose for every person in this room. I don't know what it is, but it's different for every person. Remember me saying all that? You can't do that by yourself. You're only going to be able to do that with salvation, with God changing you. And then you're only going to be able to know that you have been saved, that God has transformed you, if you can, day by day, little bit by little bit, add to your faith, add to your virtue, add to your knowledge. That's what happens. In this particular passage, and I'm closing with this, in this particular passage there is this tension. I want to acknowledge this tension between the fruit of the Spirit and, the, and if you have the Holy Spirit in you, that's what he produces. And this thing that happens to, I'd say, almost all of us, if not all of us, this idea of backsliding. You ever heard of backsliding? We don't talk about that much anymore. But people backslide. You know what I'm talking about? 
where everything was going just fine, and then one morning you wake up and, man, church just doesn't seem that interesting to me anymore. Man, I really don't want to pray this morning, not really want to talk to the Lord. And man, sin really sounds good. Now, we never say it quite like that, but that's kind of the attitude of our lives. That's what we end up doing. But what's going to happen, and you need to understand this because this is why Peter's writing this letter, especially when you get into chapter 2, we're going to see this. False teachers are going to take hold of this idea. They, they're doing it now, by the way. You go on Facebook, I, I follow a bunch of these guys and watch them and try to listen to what they're saying because the stuff that they're saying is the stuff that we're all listening to and we like to listen to because it makes us feel better about ourselves, that if we'll, we'll live our best life now and this kind of stuff, that's what we like to hear. But we don't like this stuff that the Bible's teaching us here that it, it takes some work and you gotta, you got to day by day work with the Lord. But he's saying the false teachers are going to try to exploit this. They're going to say, you need some special knowledge. You need a special experience. Oh, you need special access. You give extra money, I'll get you access. I'll do this thing for you. And that's what the false teachers that he's trying to warn us against, he'll get us there in a minute, but we need to understand that there's only always and there's only one way to grow as a Christian. Always one way, only one way. And that's by knowing Jesus Christ. That's by knowing Jesus Christ. It's not glamorous. The, 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 the big guys on TV and got the big platforms, they don't like to talk about that because it, it actually it, it takes the power out of their hands. You don't need to know me more. You don't need to listen to me preach more. You know what you need? You need to get in the Word and spend time with your Savior a little bit more. Now again, I want to help you and I want to encourage you, but that's what you need. If you want to grow as a Christian, it is not growing in your own thoughts. It's letting God's Word dictate to you. And if you're not willing to add to your faith these things, you're going to miss out on the Lord Jesus Christ actually working in your life. You're going to be an ineffective Christian. You're going to miss out the blessings of forgiveness. You're going to be a disobedient Christian. And you're going to miss out on the beautiful bounty of Christ's glory. You're going to be, at the end of it all, a Christless Christian. Now, I want to be really clear, and I'm closing here. You can be an ineffective Christian, and I think still be a, a Christian. There's a lot of us do that. You can be a disobedient Christian. I think the Lord will bring you back. He spanks you and gets you in line. But if you really are a Christless Christian, if what you are doing is, can be done without Jesus Christ, I, I don't believe that you have salvation. Now again, the passage, the gist of that passage, the thrust of that passage is not to try to cast doubt on your salvation, but it is to say, make your calling and election sure. Do you really have Jesus? If you're not able to add to your faith these things in verses 5 through 7, if you're not willing to do that, if the mark of your life is one that says, ah, not interested, I would argue, Matthew is arguing, you've you got to take it up with the Lord. Remember I told you, I'm not the one that saves you, I'm not the one that damns you either. That's the Lord that does all that. But I would just want to put the thought in your mind, is your election sure? Are you really in Jesus? Are you there? Be concerned. Because there's going to come a day where you can't do a test anymore. It's, it's the real deal. You remember that time 
pencils down. <laughs> you remember this in class? Pencils down. Put them down. Turn in your test. You don't have another chance. There's going to be a moment. I don't know what that moment's going to look like. I couldn't tell you when it's going to happen, but I can tell you there will be a time where you'll stand before God and you'll better, you better hope your calling election's sure. And now's the time to do that. Now's the time to do that. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.